When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to the Spartan Confidential Podcast from MLive.com. I'm Kyle Austin here with Matt Wenzel, uh, and it's been a while. Uh, we've been off on a hiatus here for the summer with very little Michigan State going on. Uh, normal host Brandon Champion has a few more weeks left of his break. Uh, he'll be back with us close to when the season starts. But, uh, Matt, we finally got stuff to talk about. Uh, they've got they've strapped on pads in East Lansing. Fall camp has been underway for a little while. Um, and Michigan State basketball has been active in recruiting. We'll get to that later in the podcast. But to start, uh, Matt, hoping maybe you can kind of catch us up. Uh, you know, you've been out to a, a practice, talked to Mel Tucker a couple times at Media Day and here in East Lansing, talked to some players, talked to some assistant coaches. Um, what have kind of been the things that you're uh, stood out to you the most or things that you're watching as we kind of get a first uh, feel for this 2022 Michigan State football team? Yeah, I mean, I think the overall biggest storyline, I guess you'd say, is, you know, obviously with what they achieved last year, I mean, is that it's not good enough, you know? Um, you know, Mel, you know, this is, you know, something that came up during the spring, obviously, because, you know, they were coming off 11 and 2, and, and, you know, the surprise for most people that was, you know, the success they had. But, you know, that's clearly not the goal, you know, and it's not good enough. But, the, you know, Mel and the players are saying, Mel, the the other day was, you know, he said, we didn't really even do anything last year, which, you know, I, I get it, but yeah, you did. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you went 11 and two, you, you finished in the top 10, you won a new year's six bowl game, the biggest single season turnaround in program history. So they definitely, uh, accomplished something last year, but you know, clearly that's not the goal. So that's kind of the refrain that, that, you know, Mel's saying and, 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 and the players are echoing it and you know, that's, it's not good enough now. Big 10 title, national championship. Those are the goals. Obviously, it's the goal. You know, everybody wants to win their conference. Everybody wants to win a national championship. Um, now, what will it take to get there? Uh, you know, the, I mean, it's very difficult, obviously. Um, but, you know, Mark was able to, Mark D'Antonio, you know, won, what, three Big 10 titles. He took them to the playoffs. So it's certainly possible, you know. And they showed last year they were they were right there. You know, it was late October. They had the chance to do it. And then they went to Ohio State. Um, so really, I mean, if, if they know what it, it takes, you know, they showed they can, they can, they can beat Michigan, you know, Mel's two and oh against them, you know, they can, they can handle Penn state, you know, but, but can you compete with Ohio state that will remain, you know, the biggest challenge for everybody in the conference. Let's be honest. Um, so getting there, well, will require recruiting. You need more talent. And I think that showed last year, um, 
Jeez, was it uh, Xavier Henderson, uh, who we love talking to because he's brutally honest most of the time, um, was asked at media days about Ohio State, and he said something laughing, joking about, uh, you know, how he's been getting whooped by them every year. And, you know, basically they they were a better team, but he didn't think they were 49 to nothing at halftime mm-hmm. better, which is fair point. But, and, you know, like Mel said up the game, you know, we need more talent. We need to recruit to a higher level. Now that takes time. Um, so how long will it take to close the gap? We'll see. But yeah, I mean, that's the, the point is that they want to play for, they want to win a big 10 title and gets, you know, play in the playoffs. So, um, they'll have to get there. Obviously most people don't expect them to do so. Uh, the annual preseason poll by our, uh, sister site, cleveland.com, uh, pick Michigan state to finish uh, fourth in the East. Full disclosure. I put, I picked them second. Um, I will pick Ohio state to win every year until given a reason not to, um, but you know, and, and Mel, Mel showed the team that he showed that they were picked fourth. Uh, you know, they're basically, you know, they, they know what the deal is. And, and Peyton Thorne kind of joked about it and said, yeah, you know, you know, we were picked as one national publication, which was USA today picked Michigan state as one of the 10 worst power five programs going into last season. They were also picked to finish last in the East on uh, the same, uh, cleveland.com poll last year. So, you know, preseason just talk doesn't matter, but. Um, Darius Snow said he thinks they, they are a better team right now than they were at this point last year. He said last year they thought it was more individual talent that kind of came together, and he thinks they have more depth. Um, so we'll see. But uh, the, their, their success will be determined much earlier this year um, just because of the schedule. Uh, you go into October, and, and that's where it gets really difficult, and you get Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan um, – in three consecutive games. So you'll know by then where they'll be able, where they're really at as, as a team. Yeah. Um, the Ohio state question to me is a, the biggest one for this team because, um, you're right. I mean, they have to get closer to Ohio state. I mean, I mean, it's easy. I mean, you don't just snap your fingers and become them, but, but to me, that was the biggest difference is they obviously had some high end talent last year, notably in Kenneth Walker, but programs like Ohio state are good because they just have, they just keep rolling those dudes at you. They got you at every position. They got them all over the two deep. Um, and to me, Mel Tucker's challenge about that, and he talked about it afterwards, was recruiting, and you got to build that depth. Um, and I don't know you do that in one year, but I think we'll see if it's cl- if they're closer to it this year. Um, and I, I find the schedule setting up very interesting because you start off Western Michigan, Akron, at Washington is the most challenging one, but if you can get through that, and, and Washington, I, I mean, I could see them winning that game. I, I think it's similar to Miami last year. Tough yeah. non-conference road game, but winnable for them. Um, then you've got your Big Ten start is versus Minnesota at Maryland. Um, that's pretty manageable. So talking about being five and zero, um, and probably ranked in the top ten, um, if not higher going into Ohio State on October 8th, which is earlier. I mean, Ohio State has been a, a November game for them more often recently. So it's that early October date um, is going to kind of move the measuring stick up for them. Um, and it, it'll be, you know, as much as we're talking about Ohio State as a measuring stick now, I mean, if they're 5-0 and in the top 10, that that's going to be um, that's going to be real interesting to me. So um, – before we get there, though, obviously this team is in fall camp. They've got some stuff to figure out. Um, what are you looking at most in terms of like positions? Obviously, they have Peyton Thorne back at quarterback. Um, I think we all expect Jarek Broussard to to be the at least the first running back to get carries, but um, there could be some more nuance there as far as how many guys they use. Um, but but what other positions um, 
are, are the most interesting to you? Or are you, are you, are you watching the most at this point? Uh, yeah, I mean, the running back thing, it's, it's pretty clear. They, they are not going to be able to, you can't replace Kenneth Walker. You're not going to get a guy. Nobody on that team is going to rush for 1600 yards and 18 touchdowns and win the dope Walker award, um, this next year. I, I think between Broussard and Berger and maybe one other guy though, they'll be okay in the run game. But you know, for me, I think it, it's the offensive line. I mean, going into last year, they had, they ended up with, they had so much, um, experience that they were going, you know, nine deep with basically two different rotations primarily um, through the first half of the season. And they were rolling in. I mean, there were times where the game was on the line and basically what appeared to be your second team offensive line was on the field in crunch time. And, and that's just not the case this year. You know, they only bring back five offensive linemen who have even appeared in a college game. So you got Jarrett um, Horst, you're starting left tackle, J.D. Duplain, you're starting left guard. Nick Samak, who has experience at center, um, he's got, you know, he's made starts before. Uh, Matt Carrick at right guard, but he's coming off a, an ACL injury. And then Spencer Brown at, at right tackle, who uh, made his first career start in the Peach Bowl. Um, then you bring in Brian Green from Washington State. He's a, a grad transfer who has uh, experience at all three interior positions. After that, <laughs> you know, good luck. I mean, you need, you need these young guys to step up. So... Uh, I'll be really interested to see how, how these younger guys, like your, you know, your, your Dallas Finchers, your Gino Vandermarks and, you know, the, at the interior, um, you uh, tackle Brandon Baldwin and Ethan Boyd or your, or your three and four, basically just how this is going to come together. Cause I mean, let's be honest, you know, injuries happen in football and particularly on the offensive line, trying to stay healthy for a full season just doesn't happen. So they're, they're going to need some of these young guys to step up and, and I'll be curious to see how that's going to look. Um, and if they are able to really get, if, you know, maybe the, you know, I'm Western Akron, you know, one of those games, they can get some of these guys in there, uh, and, and give them a look and try to break them in before a uh, big 10 play starts. But obviously the depth and the experience, um, is much different than last year. Um, and then the other side of the ball, I'd, I'd say linebacker and, and cornerback is, are two spots that are really interesting. Um, linebacker, you know, you crouch left of the portal, but Cal Halliday comes back after, you know, really surprising season. You know, this guy who hadn't even played on, he didn't play on defense as a true freshman in 2020. And he started, you know, he opens last year as a starter. Um, he becomes a freshman All-American, uh, really good season for Cal, but they didn't, Mel obviously wasn't happy with what they had in the room, so he brings in two very experienced transfers in, in Aaron Brule and Jacoby Winman. Um, in addition, those two, Halliday, uh, Mano Teote, and, and Ben Van Sumeren are all back. So really, you got a nice group there, and I'm just curious to see what that's going to look like. Oh, and yeah, and of course, Darius Snow uh, has moved from you know, safety nickel back to, to linebacker. So it gives them another interesting look. I just, I just want to see what that's going to look like, how that playing group, um, is used. Cause you know, they said they want to play a number of guys. Um, and, and just, I think matchups are, are it's going to be interesting to see what they can do matchup wise. You know, it's a four, two, five, but we saw in the spring, they were using a third linebacker at times, you know, how they use snow, who is the nickel, you know, depending on who you're facing it, you know, cause snow can still play nickel. So you know, if you're, if you got a bigger look, you know, you use him at nickel or, you know, if they got four or five receivers out there, you know, Chester Kimbrough or so someone is your nickel. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one. And then corner, um, <laughs> obviously the past defense was, was bad last year. Um, you know, we were at media days and, and Mel's joked that it couldn't get any worse. 
Um, and he made the point to say they were dead ass last in, in the country <laughs> and passing yards allowed. You know, he's a DB by, you know, he was a DB. He's a secondary coach by trade. So, you know, that, you know, pisses him off. Uh, he apparently would, uh, Henderson said he would leave signs around the building, um, with how many passing yards they'd given up in, in recent games. So, uh, but he, obviously it wasn't the strength of the team last year, but, um, all five starters returned. So Henderson and gross are your safeties. Um, they don't really have any established depth, uh, for the most part behind them, but corners where is one position group. I'm really interested to see how that's going to work out. Cause you know, they basically completely overhauled the room last summer. At this point in time, they were basically brand new at corner minus Kalen Gervin and Gervin left for the portal after three games. Um, so you had Ronald Williams, Chester Kimbrough, um, Marquis Lowry and, and Charles Brantley all started at least one game last year and they were all new to the defense. Um, then there were some injuries, uh, especially late in the year that obviously didn't help, but you get all four of those guys back and you bring in Amir speed from, from. Uh, a graduate transfer from Georgia won a national championship last year. He's a legit six foot three. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's good competition. So, and Mel's coaching corners now as part of the, you know, the restructure of his staff, Harlan Barnett's his only, uh, on field, uh, coach in the secondary. So Mel's taking corners and yeah, I, I just, that, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, we were watching corners they let us in. So fall camp opened last Thursday. We got to watch like 15 minutes of practice. Um, was spending a good portion of that watching Mel with corners. And I think we'll get to watch some more practice here this week, but yeah, you know, that's, that's just one, one group that has to get better. And I think it will be better just a matter of how much better will it be? Because I mean, late last season, it was just, you know, from the Michigan game on to close the regular season, they were just, you know, and Mel's honest, you know, when they face teams with that had good quarterback play and good receivers. That was a strength of those teams. That was not a good matchup for, for them. Um, so they will have to get better if they're going to, they're going to achieve, come close to have a chance to achieve what they're looking to this year. The, the secondary has to be better. Well, I got bad news. Thank you. Ohio state's bringing back a good quarterback, <laughs> good receivers. but, um, yeah. yeah, I was, were you surprised at all that they didn't make more personnel changes in the secondary? Um, I mean, you mentioned they add Amir Speed, and I know pass defense is more than just a secondary; it's a team thing, and there's linebackers and other stuff involved too. But you know, it's like it, it always seems like you know on the surface, it's like oh, good, they have everybody back; they'll be better. But then sometimes it's like, well, if you were that bad, you know, do you do you bring everybody back, or do you you know you know you talk about this in the college game, but Mel's been very honest with compete to play, compete to stay. Um, and he's not been shy about making upgrades where he needs it. So I guess it, to me, I, I found it telling that they're rolling with largely the same group. And I think despite the numbers that were put up and what we saw, um, you know, Mel Tucker and those coaches much have felt that those guys have enough potential that, and that they're going to develop um, over the years. And that those are the guys that they can they can improve with as opposed to going out and, and hitting the portal even more uh, to try to get more guys. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't really know what else you do. You know, you got to recruit, um, you know, when you complete, when you basically completely start from scratch a year ago, I don't, you know, that's, I don't think that's a sustainable thing where you could just, you know, run these guys off and try to, you know, recruit the portal more. I think, you know, Williams is, is the veteran, is the most experienced of those returners coming back. Um, Kimbrough, I think he's a, is a fourth year player now, uh, Lowry and, and, um, 
uh, Brantley, obviously younger. Brantley was a true freshman last year. So I think with those guys back, they have confidence in, in, in them improving uh, with more with a, you know, have they have a full year under their belt in, in Scotty Hazleton's scheme and they're, they're more comfortable with what they're trying to do and that they will they will improve based on that year of experience. And then you go out and you, you get a mirror speed who, who Mel coached at Georgia and he, he knows what he's capable of doing. I mean, the guy opened last year as a starter uh, for the Bulldogs before he got injured. And this, I mean, Georgia's defense was pretty damn good last year. Uh, so if he was able to start for Georgia last season, I think that's a pretty good sign uh, that Michigan got somebody that, that Michigan State got somebody that's a uh, talent and, and I would just guess, I would say going into it right now, that Williams and uh, Speed would be the, the top two corners. That's just mm-hmm. a guess. Um, Williams is wearing a red no-contact jersey during practice that we saw last week, which is no big deal. It's uh, you know, still almost a month from the season. He didn't look like he was too bagged up. So, But those would be two guys. But I just think there's more. I think they will be notably better in the secondary this year. I'm not saying that... Uh, Stroud isn't going to throw for 400 against him, uh, <laughs> but you know, that's, I just think they'll be better uh, equipped to, to get off the field because they, they just really struggled with that last season. And that led to your point, um, you know, about more going into, you know, pass defense. Yeah. I, the pass rush obviously is concerned. So you saw where they were in sacks last year. They, they can't even remember the number, they were like three points, some a game. And they were, they ranked well, it was like top 10 in the nation, maybe top 20. I can't recall. Um, but they don't think that stat, they think that stat was misleading basically because they faced more pass attempts than any other team in the country. Right. You had more opportunities and they didn't think they got home. Uh, so hence the change in the coaching staff. And, you know, they got a new defensive line coach and Marco Coleman, um, who he knew how to get after the passer. Uh, and he also was an Ace Ventura. And then um, Marco Coleman, I'm sorry, uh, Brandon uh, Jordan as the pass rush specialist, which is a really, that would, I don't know, maybe the most intriguing assistant coach hire in the country this past uh, offseason, just because, you know, his background training, uh, some of the best guys in, in the NFL. And, and I'm just curious to see how it's going to translate to to Michigan State because he's working with different position groups. You know, we were at practice, you know, he's working with the linemen at one point, then he's over there working with the linebackers. So be really interested to see how that uh, translates to the field for them. And, and especially with, you know, they, they lost their top two defensive ends from last year, you know, in uh, – um, um, Beasley and Pamasuk. So, uh, Chris Bogle, a transfer from Florida, has got some experience. Jeff Jarowski comes back. He's, uh, he showed some pretty good flashes last year. So we'll see what they're able to do. Last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, football wide before we get onto this basketball recruiting is, um, you know, obviously we, we're going to talk about new players. We're going to talk about areas of concern. Um, but we haven't talked about probably the two biggest names on the roster because um, their quarterback and best receiver um, are back um, in uh, Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed. And j- just wondering, like, what do you see this year for them um, as far as, as their potential? You know, obviously they were solid last year. I think Peyton had a, you know, a solid first year as a starter. Um, does he kind of take that step? Uh, I, I feel like he's, I mean, like Michigan State fans are, are never going to think they get enough respect, but I, I feel like <laughs> g- given the given the season he had, I don't see his name a lot, you know, as far as you know national stuff. And he's not CJ; he didn't have a CJ Stroud season. But um, 
Uh, I thought he had a solid year and could be one of the better Big Ten quarterbacks this year if he has a good year. Um, and I think Jaden Reed could be one of the better receivers in the country, um, frankly. So I guess what do you see for their their potential? And, and I and you know Michigan State going to need to rely on them a little bit more with with a, a few more questions in the run game now. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of and a focus that we you know it, it seemed you know like a big topic you know coming off of last season you know we saw it in the in the peach bowl because they didn't have walker and the offense struggled and peyton door did not have a very good game um he struggled until you know he put it together late and you know hit hayward and reed with touchdown catches and they rallied for the win so i i mean there's more pressure on thorn uh, you know last year uh <laughs> He and obviously everybody else on that team benefited from having Kenneth Walker. You know, right. that that just makes life easier, obviously, when you got a guy like that. So you combine no Walker, a run game that won't be as good, uh, but should still be, you sh- won't, shouldn't revert to 2020 and, and previous year levels. Um, I, I, I Obviously more on Thorne's shoulders. It's his offense. Um I think he's certainly capable of taking the next step, and that's what Jay Johnson thinks needs to happen for them to improve as an offense. Is, is you know Thorne has to has to do it. So I don't know. This kind of feels like 2018. You know, you had Lewerke and Lewerke in 17 was coming off that really that's good year when he finally got the starting job, a dual threat guy, and he just he just you know no no you know blame on 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 Brad. He just never really took that next step. You know, obviously there was the shoulder injury. I think that affected his confidence. Um, what? So what's the next step for Peyton? I mean, he he was asked about it, and, you know, he basically, for the most part, said, I, you know, winning will take care of everything else. But he wants to be more consistent in his mechanics and everything. And his ability to read defenses, he thinks, is is a is a huge part of, of taking that next step. Um, he should know how to do it. He's been reading defenses since he was age six. So I think, I think he's there. Um, I think he has the the chance to be one of the top quarterbacks in the Big Ten, um, and then Jaden Reed is is obviously part of that. Um, but the the leadership part um, and holding teammates accountable was something is something that's come up consistently in the offseason with Peyton, um, uh, Xavier Henderson again. Thanks, Xavier. Told a funny story about how in seven on, summer seven on sevens, uh, you know, Peyton would like slam the the young guys who didn't know the play. And so Peyton slams the ball on the ground and, and said, this is effing ridiculous. This is week five. You need to get, you know, holding guys accountable. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the fire's there. And, and I, I think he he has the, obviously has the opportunity to take the next step. And it doesn't hurt. It's obviously great for him and the team that Jaden reads back. I didn't expect that to happen. I thought late last season he was going to leave for the NFL. Um, but you got a thousand yard receiver. Well, you know, he has, put together one of the better seasons for a receiver in program history. And he said, you know, his expectations uh, for this year to what he, he said to have a legendary season. So something that effect. Um, so obviously he has high goals. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for a guy that is, you know, six foot tall, he plays like he's about three or four inches uh-huh. tall. Like you see, you know, the, the one-on-ones, the jump balls, stuff like that. He has the ability to go up there and get the ball. The chemistry those two have together, obviously, is on, you know, <laughs> I don't know anybody. There's another duo in the country that, you know, has been playing together since they were in middle school, you know, Pop Warner stuff. So those two definitely know each other. And I, it's going to be who's that, who's going to be the next guy? Because last year, Jalen Naylor was a very good 
you know, compliment to, to read in the passing game. Um, you had that three touchdown game at, at Rutgers. That was ridiculous. Uh, but now he's in the NFL and you lose that speed element. Um, so Trey Mosley comes back as, as your, as your number two, I think he's a pretty good player and who's going to, who's going to step up and emerge in that next level. Keon Coleman's a name that's come up repeatedly. So we'll see if he'd be that guy, but yeah, I mean, there's more pressure I'm throwing on the passing attack. Um, just because we don't really know what the run game is going to look like. And it's just not going to be as good as it was last year, obviously. Michigan state opens on September 2nd, uh, at home against Western Michigan, that's the uh, typical Friday night uh, Labor Day weekend game. Um, so that'll be our first chance to see them. Uh, Pey- speaking of Peyton Thorne versus his dad, the offensive coordinator at Western Michigan. So that'll be fun. Uh, but a couple weeks of camp before then, and um, Matt will be out there um, and me for um, for all of it. And uh, we'll keep you updated as we get closer to kickoff here. Uh, but the football team's not the only Michigan State team making noise. It's been a um, unusually active August, I would say, for the Michigan State basketball program in a good way. Uh, we're talking here on uh, Tuesday or on Wednesday, excuse me, August 10th. And Michigan State has gotten three uh, commits in the last 10 days. Um, started off with Xavier Booker, the, uh, the, the five-star big man from Indiana there at the end of July. Um, followed up by Norman Gehrig, a sharpshooter from Texas a couple days later. Um, And then just on Tuesday night, they got Cohen Carr, kind of a a wing slasher, um, dunker athlete um, from um, originally from Georgia, plays in South Carolina now. So a a good run, um, a a really good run um, for this Michigan State team. If, If you're into the team rankings, as far as recruiting goes, Michigan State's up to number three now. Um, they'll probably get to number two at some point once ESPN decides they uh, they want to do their <laughs> rankings and um, give Xavier they they decide Xavier Booker is a top one hundred player um, in the country. Um, been a little thorn in my side, sorry. The, the ratings no. for him are a little off. Um, he's currently number one from Rivals, just to give you some perspective. I mean, Rivals thinks he's the best twenty twenty three player in the country. Um, and I think 24 seven has him at two or three, um, and ESPN, uh, does not have him ranked. So what, once he gets ranked from there, he'll be consensus top five player. And he's going to be one of the handful of best players in terms of recruits that Tommy has ever had, um, a really big commitment for them. And I know it's been a couple of weeks, but we've been, we've been on hiatus. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that was a really, really big get for them. And it was kind of a classic Tom Izzo when he's gotten these five stars, um, he identified Booker early as a guy um, and really put the full court press on him starting, you know, a year ago now um, and more than that even. But before he was seen as like a top five guy when he was kind of like a middle of the road top 100 guy, I mean, solid prospect, but they were recruiting him like he was a top five guy when all the recruiting services had him in the 50s. And it was, you know, when you watch it, it was kind of head scratching. It's like, OK, you know, you know, what do they see here? Well, you know, what am I missing? And then. Uh, Booker had a great uh, junior high school season for Cathedral High School in Indianapolis, won a state title, um, had a great spring AAU season um, for his team there out of Indianapolis. And boom, uh, come, you know, April, he, he's in the top five um, for most recruiting services. And um, Duke's jumping into his recruitment. Uh, I think Kansas gave him a sniff. Uh, the big boys are coming around, but Izzo to that point had been there for months, had kind of developed the relationship. Um, and I think that won the day um, at the end of the day. Um, interesting about Booker, he he's kind of a rarity in 
college hoops recruiting now. He he went to the same high school for four years, which um, for those who don't follow it is extremely <laughs> rare. Matt's laughing because I, I went to I, the same high school for four years. You probably did too. But um, yeah. if you're a top top level athlete like that, um, it's very unheard of. And it, that's not always a bad thing. I mean, guys are, you know, um, finding better situations, finding better coaches. But he was very loyal to um, his high school. And he was also very loyal to his AAU program. He he played with the same AAU program his whole career, is my understanding. Um, and it was not what on one of these major circuits, the Nike or the Adidas circuit. It was kind of on this little off-Broadway circuit called NY2LA. Uh, but it was he was very loyal to the coach that kind of had shepherded him through his career and, and decided to see that through. So um, there was actually a big, uh, big article in the New York Times about this, if, if you want to look that up. But basically, we'll... Point being is that he's shown to be a very loyal uh, player, um, uh, uniquely loyal, I would say, um, in the in the high school basketball, the basketball recruiting world. So it it was not surprising to me, therefore, that he went with a program that had kind of been there with him from the start um, and really treated recruited him like a top like a top prospect uh, before others had. Um, and I think you know credit to Tom Izzo for for identifying him early and for putting the work in um and kind of laying that foundation because that's what you need to do when when Duke comes calling you you got to have been there for a while and when Michigan State has landed Miles Bridges the same thing happened or Adrian Payne uh, rest in peace but Adrian Payne it was the same thing he kind of blew up at the end Cal flew his helicopter up to his high school <laughs> couldn't land him so um so that really kind of kickstarted this. I mean, he, he joins Jeremy Fears as the point guard for that class. Jeremy Fears uh, committed early in December. But, you know, not a coincidence that two other guys commit right after a five-star commits because talent begets talent. You know, same with football. Happens with basketball. So they get two other solid players right after that. Um, um, Norman Sharpshooter and, and Cohen Carr, who, um, I, you know, I, I watch him. He reminds me of like a... Uh, like a Brandon Dawson, Miles Bridges, you know, or just ferocious jumper, dunker. Um, I think he's rounding out the rest of his game, but I see a lot of potential there as far as his athleticism. Um, so, you know, it it's, um, I, I know everyone thought Tom is always done. Um, his, and, you know, to, to be fair, his last couple of recruiting classes, rankings wise, um, well, we're not, um, we're not um, really up there in, in the rankings. And I think some of that's been seen on the court as far as their results, but um this class is you know it's uh right up there with the 2016 class the the miles bridges cassius winston nick ward uh jeremy langford um actually not jeremy langford um class um josh langford class um as far as being one of the highest rated so it's you know it's going to be exciting i think they're probably they're at 11 guys now for that team so that this this is probably it um so, I, I, you know, I think there's going to be a lot to be excited about again. Um, I'm sure future pods will talk about this upcoming season, but um, on the recruiting trail, at least, I think um, I think people are feeling a little bit better about Michigan State basketball right now. Yeah, just a kind of an observation for somebody who, who mostly obviously does football recruiting. I find it funny that a guy like Norman, he takes an official visit, then he gets the offer, and then, you know, it like happens so fast whereas in football. Get some of these guys getting offered in seventh grade. Everybody, right. not all. I just, I just find the process to be much different. You know, I, th- I think it's interesting in, in basketball compared to football. Granted, so obviously you're recruiting a false, far smaller group um, than football, but um, some notable differences there. Uh, asked, I, I'm wondering when Tom's going to start doing the photo shoots though for the kids. <laughs> you can park some cars on Reslin floor and 
get some goats out there and uh yeah uh well, well whatever whatever he's doing is working he's not quite, yeah he's not quite as flashy as Mel, <laughs> but but few but few are um so I think that all that's about all we got to talk about today. Uh, we will be back, um, you know, kind of as news uh, as news happens here before the uh, the opener. We'll definitely do something before the opener. Um, and I think Brandon will be back for that in his normal role. Uh, but until then, we'll have all the Michigan State news at MLive.com slash Spartans. Uh, you can read me and Matt and, and all the fall camp updates there. And uh, for Matt Wenzel, I'm Kyle Austin. This is Spartan Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening.